Welcome to Across the Street, your one-stop shop for all things inpatient medicine at the Durham VA, from faculty and staff who know it and love it just as much as you do. Hi again, everyone. It's Dr. Caputo, one of the hospitalists at the Durham VA. And in this podcast today, we'll be discussing an approach to the patient with syncope. We'll start out with a clinical case. We're being called by the ED for a 55-year-old gentleman who had a witness syncopal event earlier this morning. He was shopping with his wife in the grocery store when she noticed him suddenly slow down and slide to the ground. They emergently called EMS, and by the time the ambulance got there, he was awake and responsive. They brought him to the Durham VA emergency room, where he was conversant but can't really remember what happened. A non-contrasted head CT showed no evidence of trauma, and his vitals were fine. He was given some IV fluids, and GenMed was called to admit him for further evaluation and management. Does that sound familiar? Probably, right? You know this patient, or if you've never met this patient before, you certainly will soon. Syncope accounts for up to 1.5% of ED visits every year, and that amounts to a lot of work and a lot of money for hospitals. Syncope is one of my favorite chief complaints, actually, because the differential is so incredibly broad. You name an organ system, you can probably think of a malfunction in that organ system that could potentially lead to syncope. That could potentially be a little overwhelming, so today we're going to discuss the most common causes of syncope and how to start a workup that's targeted to your individual patient's risk factors. So in this talk, we're going to define syncope, identify unstable patients with syncope who maybe don't belong on the floor, understand the top items on our differential diagnosis, and be able to initiate a workup to narrow that differential down. We'll start off with what is syncope. So the medical definition is loss of consciousness associated with a loss of muscle tone. As we alluded to earlier, the causes of syncope are potentially very broad. Before we find out why it happened though, first we need to make sure the patient is stable for the floor. Floor safety depends on two big things, hemodynamic stability and ongoing presence of symptoms. Hemodynamic stability is exactly what it sounds like. Is the blood pressure and the heart rate too high or too low? The nurses on the floors will let you know if they're concerned, but generally speaking, the numbers that should make you think twice about floor stability at the VA in particular are systolic blood pressures above 180 or less than 80, or heart rates above 120 or less than 60. Secondly, the presence of ongoing symptoms should make you consider whether a patient is really safe for the floor and can also give you a hint about the potential source of the syncope. For example, did the patient wake up but they're still having chest pain? Do they feel like they're unable to breathe? Maybe they can't move their right side. A thorough history and physical can help us tease this out. So let's say that this patient is completely hemodynamically stable and symptom-free in the emergency room, so you accept them onto your service for further workup. When you're doing your H&P, you want to keep a differential in mind and ask questions and do exam maneuvers that might help make diagnoses more or less likely in your mind. So there are several organ systems that pop into my mind first when I'm thinking about syncope, but the cardiovascular system is definitely the first one. When people have cardiac causes for syncope, the reason is because the cardiac output is so low that the brain is not being adequately perfused and it leads to a loss of consciousness. Common causes that can lead to cardiac syncope are orthostatic hypotension, which is probably the most common, poorly tolerated arrhythmias, poor ejection fraction, valvular disease, or potentially a combination of all these things working together. 
history elements should focus on how the patient felt before they fell. For example, did they have a prodrome of tunnel vision that might suggest they were orthostatic, or did they abruptly lose consciousness because that might suggest an arrhythmia? You'll also want a good med rec to see if there are any medications that could potentially done this to the patient. For example, are they on diuretics that might have caused dehydration? Are they on any medications that may be pro-arrhythmogenic? Are they on a, any AV nodal blockers that might have caused bradycardia? Additionally, exam maneuvers are cheap and can tell you a ton about what might be going on. Every patient who comes in with syncope deserves orthostatic vital signs, as well as a full exam listening for murmurs or irregular heartbeats. Another test that probably everyone who has syncope should get and is really cheap is an EKG. It'll tell you a lot about the patient's current rhythm, the presence of any conduction disease, and it'll give you any hints about prior or potentially current ischemia. If you find something concerning, they've probably bought themselves telemetry while they're in the hospital and potentially even an event monitor when they go home. Oftentimes when we're interviewing patients, we wish we could have been there when this event happened. If you're lucky, your patient may have an ICD, and that's kind of like going back to the scene of the crime. Get that ICD interrogated, and you'll know exactly what was happening with their heart at the time that they lost consciousness. Additionally, if you're worried about valvular disease, an echo can be helpful. It'll tell you about pump function, and it'll tell you about outward flow. So that's the cardiac side of things. Oftentimes we think about pulmonary causes for syncope as well. We pretty much always talk about this. There's a lot of good evidence that's come out just in the last year that PE or pulmonary embolism actually isn't that common of a cause of syncope and oftentimes can be clinically ruled out. This is a great example of evidence confirming what your gut kind of already knew. If someone had a PE that was big enough to make them pass out, it's probably unlikely that they were able to wake back up on their own. We should do at least a good lung exam to make sure there's nothing suspicious that would make us do more imaging, but that's probably sufficient as long as the patient is not hypoxic. We also often think about neurologic causes of syncope. Stroke is one that comes to mind, and so a thorough neuro exam is going to be very important for any patient who comes in with syncope. Any focal findings would merit additional workup for central processes. A non-focal exam should generally be pretty reassuring, since transient ischemic attacks usually don't make people pass out. We also tend to think about seizures as causes for syncope, but they're actually a pretty uncommon cause as well, and so we should use our history and physical to determine what our pretest probability is before we go down the route of working up seizures. It's also important to keep in mind that signs like urinary incontinence or quick jerking can happen with neurocardiogenic or convulsive syncope in addition to actual seizure disorders. Since we're on that subject, let's talk about neurocardiogenic syncope as well. That's a fancy term for vasovagal syncope, wherein a patient just has a temporary loss of blood pressure due to triggers like emotion that are non-life-threatening, but potentially have happened before and potentially could happen again. Vasovagal syncope is definitely the most common type of syncope, and although the least life-threatening, we should still consider it a diagnosis of exclusion. Every patient still deserves the initial considerations and workup that we've talked about before we decide that that's their diagnosis. We can clinically rule things out with history and physical alone, but if we can't, then we should go down the route of additional workup. 
So once we've done our history and physical, and that's pointed us in a particular direction, we may find ourselves favoring a particular cause over another. For example, maybe their EKG showed that they have a new diagnosis of atrial fibrillation, or maybe their exam identified a new late peaking systolic murmur that we think needs attention. Additionally, maybe their orthostatic vital signs were floridly positive. We should ask ourselves why we found this new finding. Why do they have new AFib? Or alternatively, why do they have Q waves on their EKG that they didn't have previously? In order to find the answers to those questions, we need to do additional workup. And that's how we tailor our workup to our individual patient. So that's an introduction to how to work up patients who are being admitted to the hospital for expedited evaluation of syncope. Thanks for listening. As always, the views and opinions stated in this podcast are my own and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Department of Veterans Affairs or the Durham VA Hospital.